it is podcasters rather who assist upon making it difficult for life to exist upon this planet. The birds coming up next. Haven't seen it with Tim Sestito and Tommy Tevenay. Hello, everybody. Welcome on in. Thank you all so much for listening today. This is a podcast where one of us is watching a movie for the very first time. And today that is myself because Tommy has seen The Birds before. Yeah, when I was a little kid. So, I mean, I barely remember it. So <laughs> it counts out. <laughs> and and also, I uh, just want to say in your opening line, yeah, podcasters do make the world a much more difficult place to live in. So yeah, like that was truly, the on, I was talking about. She was talking tru- about uh, podcasters the whole time. <laughs> that eighty-year-old lady in nineteen sixty-three yeah. foresaw she everything knew. that was about to come. She knew. She <laughs> knew that there's just going to be obnoxious people on TikTok posts posting their clips. But we would never, ever do that. You can follow us on TikTok at SeenItPod, also on Twitter and Instagram at SeenItPod. <laughs> But we would never, we would never, ever, ever do a plug no. like that. So obnoxious. Oh my God. We're way above yeah. it. You know, follow and follow and share, uh, share with your friends, uh, help grow the podcast. Thank you. Five stars. <laughs> but we would never, 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 ever do that. <laughs> so, no, Tom, no, no, no. so Tommy, the birds, very interesting. Diving into Hitchcock, diving into an old movie, which for you feels like very, that feels like more of a me recommendation. I haven't seen a lot of Hitchcock, so like we can definitely dive deeper into like Vertigo. We can dive into Psycho. We can dive into a lot of the uh, the big boys. I, I I'll admit I'm, I'm kind of with you right there. I haven't seen the majority of the Hitchcock movies. I mean, I've seen I think just this and Psycho at this point. So you haven't seen Rear Window? I haven't seen Rear Window. Oh, so I mean, that alone. Oh, we, can do. <laughs> we should just do April. Should just be Hitchcock month, and we just Hitch- do we just do Hitchcock movies. This is a preview of Hitchcock month right here. Well, uh, a- the reason we're doing this movie uh, this month in March is because this movie is actually about to celebrate its 60th anniversary. Uh, March 28, 1963, was when this movie was first released. So, uh, 60 years later, we're still talking about the buds, the buds, the birds, and the birds. Even though it's technically the bears, but when we're we're watching like the birds and there's any movie that's like 1960 like i think there's only two actors from this movie that are still alive right it's just uh Tippi <laughs> yeah. and... this is a weird thing that always happens when i watch old movies where i'm like and oh, veronica Cart- veronica cartwright and Tippi hedron are the she... only two still alive yeah like she's dead he's dead he's dead I'm sure one of the other kids might be a little. Oh, I'm alive, sure. Yeah. I'm sure a kid. I'm sure a kid's still alive. But yeah, it's one of those thoughts when you watch an old movie, or especially if you watch like like The Wizard of Oz or like Gone well, we with watched, the uh, Wind. It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, yeah, it's a Wonderful back, Life. Back in summer. Yeah. But the the little girl was still alive. Still. Alive oh, yeah, she, she's still alive. Yeah, she's still one. But yeah, there's somewhere it's just like I'm scrolling through the Wikipedia pages of the uh, list of the actors right now, and just like was 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 was. <laughs> it's like oh. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think with this movie, before we dive deeper into it, like takes a cast of people that have some good credits, but none of them are like outstanding, like leading, like notorious leading men, leading women, and really like elevates them. And for something that's like kind of like a schlocky sci-fi concept, it's 
it's really elevated and it, it's just such a good blend of character and horror. So that way when the horror starts, you actually feel something for your characters. Hey, Hollywood, uh, maybe you should watch the birds and um, put apply some of these practices into your movies. Yeah. This is the rare disaster movie where like, you know, you're actually kind of compelled during the scenes that aren't the disaster part of it. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll dive deeper. Where you're learning about character motivations. I know this is very, very, very difficult things very for tough. very <laughs> tough. It's not like they were doing it 60 years ago, but yeah shocking no <laughs> all right tommy what did you watch this past week all right so uh i guess following out on the footsteps of us watching rocky uh for our episode last week i decided to finally uh dip my toes into the creed franchise so uh i finally saw creed one for the first time and what a fucking movie i think i might have liked it maybe even more than rocky or at least on the level of that um and it might be a little bit of a hot take but i think like you know creed really gets the kickoff of like all this requel shit that we've had lately of like, you know, like how soft the reboot, the they're called soft reboots. Well, I call them requel because I saw Scream 5. So, <laughs> no, they're, they're soft reboots. It's where you take the original concept, take some of the original players, throw them in with a new leading person to yeah. carry the franchise, the torch of the franchise. But I feel like Scream's different because, like, Courtney Cox is in every Scream movie. Um, she still is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what, what's the lady that's the main lady? Nev uh, Campbell, she was mm, in all of them except for six. Yeah, because they didn't they didn't want to pay her. Yeah, the same thing with Rocky. I mean, that's what happened with Creed 3. Creed 3 came out this month, too, and no Sylvester Stallone. But uh, <laughs> in terms of the overall discussion, I mean, like, this movie really introduced Rocky's character in a great way. I mean, it gave Stallone a lot of uh, meat to chew and, like, a lot of things to chew. Where it didn't feel like a, it was just like a oh here's a random cameo by Sylvester Sloan, so it's the same universe. It really was like a fully fleshed out like narrative, and you know Sloan had some scenes where uh, yeah I'm I was shocked that he could still act. You know, <laughs> wait, you, you mean it didn't start, it didn't end the movie with Creed walking into a boxing ring like atop a mountain, and then seeing Rocky with a hood on, and then he turns around and he hands him his boxing gloves like they don't yeah. do that. To no. some stupid, some stupid teaser at the end that they had no plan to follow up with, and then made a disaster of a movie following it. You mean they didn't do that? No, they didn't do that, and uh, they didn't pull a little, the Last Jedi, which I'm a defender of. <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a different story. Uh, uh, yeah, let's um, not, let, 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 that could just be <laughs> in the podcast. Let's not. Let's not go. Yeah, down yeah. That we road. wouldn't talk about the birds if we got on that the, to, uh, is, subject. But there is enough terrible discourse about the Last Jedi online that we are. Yeah, they, we're above. We don't we not need, need to contribute to that whatsoever. Whatsoever. But uh, back on Creed, I mean, I'm excited to check out the rest of the franchise. Uh, I'm going to try and watch two, and uh, I'm going to maybe see three before it leaves theaters, because I've heard good things about three. But, uh, you know, so far, the Rocky franchise, I think I have a new favorite franchise I like. So I got to watch the other Rocky sequels, too. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have to watch the Rocky sequels. They have a lot of charm to them. Um, I've never actually seen Creed. It makes me want to actually, like, sit down and watch Creed. I don't know. Was, I think when it came out, it was when the Mets were in their World Series run in 2015, and obviously that was my number. Like that was literally my life's priority at that point in time. I couldn't get enough Mets content. But I went back into theaters, 25 years in fact, and I watched Titanic. Oh, in 3D. Which... So did I? Did it add anything for 3D? <laughs> it, it literally added negative zero. There was absolutely no reason to put Titanic in 3D other than James Cameron being an obnoxious prick. 
and being like, if we're going to re-release Titanic, we're going to make people wear ridiculous sunglasses for three hours and they're going to get yeah. absolutely nothing from it. <laughs> Just to be an asshole. But Titanic, uh, you know, I had seen it, I don't know, 10 plus years ago, but last time at this point. Really fun, really great. Like, I see why it's one of the biggest movies ever. Um, it's one of those, like, I my thought of it was like, you know, James Cameron is considered the most iconic action director of all time. I don't think that's a hot take. Not at all. And, and he was just like, how do I make an action movie that will actually get women into the theaters and actually care about the action stuff? Because like the first hour, 20, hour 30 of Titanic is just the love story between Jack and Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the iceberg hits and that's the rest of the movie basically. I will say my hot take on this. I like Leo DiCaprio. I think he's one of the most iconic leading men of our time. I don't think he's fantastic in Titanic, and he's really getting by on his good looks in that one. Really, you think that was mostly just charm, right there? Just I think it was charisma? charm. I I don't think I don't think the performance, like he just like his dialogue felt really awkward at times. Uh, well, if like there's one thing about James deliver- Cameron in delivery, there's one yeah. thing. Yeah, there's one thing about James Cameron I learned uh, from like rewatching Avatar recently is that he does not know how to write dialogue for the most part. Um, it depends on the movie, but I wouldn't call that his strong suit whatsoever. Yeah, um, but at least I don't. At least unlike other uh, influential directors from the 1970s, 80s, um, he actually knows how to write a story around them. So even if the yeah. dialogue's awkward, it's not as brutal as, say, a a, a sci- science fiction fantasy epic that came out in like the 90s 2000s but again we're not going to dive we're again not going to oh, dive that. we're not going to dive <laughs> it, down it took, that we, we're not going to wait too long to realize what i know i i i know it did and i didn't say its name kind of intentionally specifically, specifically <laughs> to just not get into the discourse about it but yeah yeah um but yeah, you know, I, I don't remember much about Titanic. I mean, would you say it's worth, worth revisiting? Because I only saw yeah. it as a little kid. Absolutely, yeah. I would even say that it doesn't that you only saw a half of it, probably because your mom probably blocked out your eyes when uh, Kate Winslet's boobs come out. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I saw in yeah. theaters. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, your mom definitely was just like Tom. You can't see those, and so then you <laughs> theoretically did not see the whole thing. So we could, in theory, then do Titanic. And we've both th- seen it in theaters, kind of, except for you, where you didn't get to see Kate with I think boobs. I think I missed the boat on that. <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, a lot of people on the Titanic missed the boat, if we're going to be honest on it. But really fun movie. Definitely one worth discussing, because it's it, 25 years does not feel like that long of a time, but like... I can't imagine Hollywood. I guess Avatar is kind of the same thing where it's like it's this franchise that nobody cares about, but it still makes like billions of dollars somehow. Uh, Still still don't get it, but whatever. Yeah, it it does feel like Avatar box office 100% inflated. Like there has to be some kind of manipulation going on. Some fudging of the numbers or something. 100%. Like nobody talks about it. I think it's so funny that at this point we've talked about like Avatar two probably like maybe like five times on the podcast. And I still have yet to go see it. <laughs> you, you don't have to go. Yeah. At, at this point, it's a, it's a matter of principle. I'm like, fuck that. Uh, no, I'm not uh, seeing uh, it. Honestly, Tommy, I think you'll kind of hate it. So uh, that's why I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, you know, anything with you that has to do with like anything fantasy is just like a, a snooze fest. So yeah, yeah. I I don't want I don't want to uh, 
put you through uh, a burden. But what wasn't a burden to watch is the birds. How do you do? I'm Alfred Hitchcock, and I want you to know about my latest motion picture, which will be coming soon to your local theater. It is called The Birds, and for that reason, we thought it would be appropriate if a bird informed you about the details. Go ahead. Don't turn. Go ahead. Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds. Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds, stars rock. On second thought, perhaps it would be more appropriate if I gave you the details. Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds, stars Rod Taylor, Jessica Tandy, and Suzanne Plachette, and introduces Miss Tippy Hedron. Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds, in color. So I, I that's longer than normally the uh, the uh, TV spots we we put up, but it was so like. 1963 they have no idea what to do for television spots at this time so yeah. <laughs> they just have alfred hitchcock standing in a room in black and white and then tippy hedron on the side and the bird like even though well like, that was like a weird like trailer thing they did with alfred hitchcock a lot i remember like the trailer for uh psycho at least one of them was literally just alfred hitchcock walking around the psycho house being like look at the terrible things that are going to happen in this motel and like i'm telling you it's gonna be scary you just you go and see it, but at this point, like, what director would have that fucking like name brand where like it just have a trailer just be them talking at this point? Like Tarantino, yeah, like him. Apparently, Zack Snyder. <laughs> he's got a cult, man. He's got a cult yeah, following. He's got a cult. Yeah, uh, we're again, we're not entering this discourse. So you're you're teeing me up here to go down the path of <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Le- least... Talk about the three movies that we talk about, uh, maybe way too much on the pod, but anyways, we're, uh, but but we watched a good movie, we're not going to discuss bad ones, yeah, but but regardless, yeah, this, I think that's not a thing that you'd see nearly as often. I mean, you have like a director like intro be like, hey, here's a trailer for my new movie, thanks for watching, or something like that, but like, wouldn't it be sounded just off the creator himself? I mean, like, you know, did you spot the famous Alfred Hitchcock cameo on this one? <laughs> Um, doesn't he just like walk out of a store? Isn't that him? Yeah, he's walking some dogs out of a pet shop at the beginning of the film. <laughs> yeah, that that was that I was like that's Hitchcock when I saw that. But yeah, I, th- I you know what they do now though is before movies, like especially Top Gun oh, Maverick, yeah. like they do the now they have the actors doing a pre roll, like just like thanking the audience for co- <laughs> like actually leaving their. Thank house. you, God, for making my career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Th- thank you for le- thank you for leaving the house. The, you know, Top Gun Maverick made a lot of money, and that's solely the reason. What have nothing to do with the movie. People just heard that Tom Cruise <laughs> personally thanks them for coming out to the theater. Like he gives. Take like that Blues Clues video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 strange. It's it was it's strange. And but I've noticed that before other movies too that they've been I, it, doing that. It definitely has been happening a little bit more and more where it's just like all of a sudden I'm nowhere you'll have like director and actor like at the end be like, thank you so much for seeing it. I'm pretty sure uh God, I'm forgetting what other ones have, have done that, but I think like one of Marvel movies have <laughs> Marvel movies have done it. Um yeah. I feel like I feel like any movie that's a hot like made by a major studio that isn't hitched to a, a big franchise, they do that too. Mm. Where yeah. they have that they're like, Thank thank you. Just just from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for you know making sure this doesn't flop or doing your your part to make sure this doesn't flop. But, right? That's what people have to do now. They have to do mm-hmm. their part and make sure ho- the rich people in Hollywood make their money. I know where I'm spending my money. <laughs> yeah, I know where you spend your money, Tommy. It's pretty much on horror VHS and DVDs. Yeah. 
supporting the artist. <laughs> Not really, because it's secondary. <laughs> yeah, well, so the the birds, Tommy, for you, you said you saw this little when you were little. What stood out to you when you were a kid, and what stood out to you now that was like a big difference for you in terms of like obviously when you're watching it with your seven like all the dialogue parts are going to be the most boring thing on the planet but yeah yeah i mean i definitely like think that like in terms of uh everything like the acting was a lot better than i remember in terms of, like the overall feel i mean there definitely was some parts of this movie that obviously feel dated i mean this movie's 60 years old as we just said but green screens feel dated yeah, yeah. Well, those are called like yellow screens back then, or whatever. That definitely yeah. felt dated. The special effects in, in itself, but it's still like there's just like a menace. I mean, what I remember the most from this movie, like uh, before I watched it again today, was you know the ending, obviously, of just all those birds just chilling there menacingly. I mean, we've seen that being parodied in like The Simpsons and like other like pop culture stuff over the years, but still, it's just so striking and so haunting because, especially because a lot of those are actually real birds on set. <laughs> yeah. So one of the clips we have pulled up here is just. It's right when the birds attack the kids out of the school. And it's just, I think the horror of it comes from like the sound design and just like the lack of music and just letting the sound be the 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 primary point of fear. Because you don't think of birds as terrifying, which is like clearly like kind of the concept of the movie is like, you don't think birds just flying around like, scary but what if they all just get together and try to attack a town like what would yeah. happen um and i just think the way the sound mix goes here it, it's like that's where the power of this comes when they're trying to rescue this the kids from the playground melanie i want you to go as quietly as possible do not make a sound until i tell you to run then run as quickly as you can that is everybody understand all right, John, you lead the way. So if you were just scrolling through the podcast, like timestamp wise, and you just happened to drop it on that clip of just like, like the birds just making sounds, you'd be like, what in the fuck is going on? That was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, that's that's my little bird sound right there. (laughs) That was pretty good. I mean, yeah, a little little well, well, Uh, that that one just made it sound like you had a bad burrito, to be honest. But uh, well, yeah, we're we're getting we're working on working on my bird call right here. well, one thing I, I just wanted to talk about, like that scene, is first of all how stupid their fucking plan is. Why don't you just keep the kids like inside, like the confined space they're already in, instead of like risking it at all or whatever? You know, that's what I was thinking the whole time. Like, you didn't need to leave the church. You could have been the, fine. Like, well, they weren't at a church; they were at a school, and the 
The problem is, is that the school had giant windows as she has in the conversation with the mother before, um, mm -hmm. who, who's witnessed the, the feed uh, guy being killed by birds in the, in the house. So that's why she came there. Um, and yeah, it's a, I'm, I mean, it's a terror. It was an awful, awful plan without even a question of a doubt. Yeah, it, it, it is funny because, like, you know, obviously this movie, like, uh, for the most part is pre-restrained uh, as a six-year-old movie. But for the time, it must have been shocking. Like that scene, the bird eater, how you see his eyes just plucked out. Even today, that got me where I was like, oh, God, that, that's yeah. just horrifying. But you, you can imagine, like, if this movie was made, like, today or even, like, 20 years later in, like, the 80s or whatever. You have seen like and that scene of like you know, them running down the hill of like you know all the kids like some kids just getting like just fucked up by a bird right there like well you do see a kid things. get fucked up by a bird the like, girl a little she, bit. she like has blood just rolling down her face and her glasses smash like well yeah 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 but but she's alive what I'm saying is that they're, the the 80s, oh they would have killed kids in the eighties yeah really, the question yeah by by the eighties would have been like you know kids dying like fucking gory ways from birds and stuff like that but this movie. Obviously, doesn't need that. Hitchcock is a little bit classier than that, but it's still, it's just very shocking. Like horrifying. We're like, oh my god! Like the, the kids just getting clawed and all these different like scratch marks you see on every character. Um, it's just still very suspenseful. Well, the reason they don't have to do that, as we alluded to earlier, is that they basically spend the first like hour twenty, hour thirty of this movie, like just it's just character drama, and it's kind of mysterious in terms of Melanie who in, runs into Mitch, played by Rod Taylor, who was fantastic as the leading man in this, uh, at a bird mm. store. She, he knows who she is. We don't know mm. anything about her other than her appearance mm. comes off very wealthy, well put together, mm. and that he's looking for lovebirds for his sister's birthday. So she drives, she goes, picks up lovebirds, then tries to drop them off at his house. He's not there. Then goes up and wants to surprise drop them off at at his house, which was just bizarre. To meet cute, <laughs> it, I wouldn't call. Yeah, I guess you can call uh, it a meet cute. But you know, like she's like she finds out that like what the sister's name is, so she drives up to the teacher's house, played by Suzanne Pisnet, uh, Annie Hayworth, and like asks about the kid's name, uh, like, oh, what's the Brenner kid's last uh, first name? And she's like, oh, it's Kathy. Like. Just discloses that information. Things that teachers probably wouldn't do at this point in time. A random stranger just comes to your house and goes, I know this student's last name. What's their first name? Probably <laughs> probably not. Yeah, a little today. stranger danger right there. Um, yeah, a little strange. But it was just a simpler time where you didn't have to worry about people being weird mutant freaks like trying to like kidnap children, I guess. It was a simpler time, Tommy. Yeah, we, we, yeah. We didn't have we didn't have twenty four hour news networks to instill the fear of God into all of us. Um, it definitely is a thing though. Like the kid performance in this, uh, Kathy Brenner, um, played by Veronica Cartwright, uh, who's been in, like Alien. She's been in um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. She's like had a great career in like the seventies and eighties, especially. Um, so it's, it's amazing seeing her pop up here, but her performance is really good, and really comedic throughout. I just love like throughout the movie where uh, she's like, "Can I bring the leopards with me? They're not attacking anyone." And everyone's just like. Fuck your birds. No. <laughs> Just no birds in this car whatsoever. <laughs> so so I guess this is time. I haven't looked up any theories because I don't care what other people's theories are. It's just my personal theory of why are the birds attacking? 
And I think there's one or two reasons. One, it's the lovebirds disrupting like the 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 bird ecosystem in that area coming in, which is just uh, crows and seagulls are the only two in that area. And then two is um, the mother, uh, Lydia Brendy, Brenner, played by Jessica Tandy, who's also terrific. She's calling the the guy who has her chicken feed, and she was talking about how the the feed for the birds was bad. And so I wonder if it's one or two things is the 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 feed that some of the birds are getting bad and like cross wiring their brains or was it is it like symbolic in terms of like the love birds disrupting an ecosystem or something like that? I I but I personally think that this movie is a prequel to Cocaine Bear and this is just Cocaine Birds. <laughs> it's in the bird feeder. <laughs> Except this is so much better than Cocaine Bear. It's like no, they're not even on the the same like. Oh, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing with you, but yeah, I mean, like you can imagine it right there. Just make that the sequel to Cocaine Bear. Just make it Cocaine Birds or whatever. Co- cocaine Birds, just like they hit a like they hit the fan in the of the plane that they're getting dropped off of, and like all these yeah. birds are just on cocaine, <laughs> just full of coked out, just like pecking people even faster. I- that's, yeah. that's my theory. Yeah, I just feel like, I mean, I don't really like care about the theory. I think it like the mystery adds to it. And I just respect Hitchcock so much for not putting some random ex- exposition dump, like explaining it. Because the characters ask over and over, why are the birds doing this? Yeah. And then there's that great scene in the diner where the, the mother um, attacks uh, attacks Melanie or not doesn't physically attack her but like verbally assaults her like all of this started happening when you came into town like you're the problem you're the reason this yeah. is happening to us and she just slaps her in the face <laughs> which is i feel like is hitchcock's way of saying like that's not the reason like we're not going to explain the reason to you but that's not the reason it's just a weird <laughs> phenom- this specific one isn't <laughs> like if you well, it, it's it's scary when movies do like that uh do, do that I'm like they don't explain what it is you don't need to have everything handheld i mean like Think of I think a movie that's kind of a good like sp- spiritual like in some ways is the mist in some ways where it's like people trapped in a building the type by monsters so that movie similarly doesn't explain what's going on it's just scarier when you're like oh this random fucked up thing just happened because <laughs> it's more true to life we wouldn't have some scientists being like I know what it is <laughs> yeah like if they re I'm sure there is a remake of this but there would be some science character being like there is a specific bolt of lightning that strikes down every 140 years well, this was recorded in 19 this was recorded in 1848 or whatever the hell what that's why I like about the bird bird lady character is that you think that she's going to be that type of character where she's just going to be throughout in the movie throughout the rest of the time where like they bring her to like help stop the birds cuz like this lady knows about birds like we need to get her in front of like something or like you know she explains away what happens or something like that but instead like she's in that one scene she sees, sees the birds attack and she's like, I'm out of this movie. <laughs> she was just, and, and she's just, a, she's like a dismisser. I, I love that bar scene with the, with the guy, the drunk guy who's mm-hmm. like, who's like, it's the end of the world. Like the Irish drunk guy and everybody, sh- like he just interjects it like four or five times. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just like, ah, oh, come on, crazy Ralph, whatever. <laughs> well, I, I think it's interesting when they're at the restaurant and they have all the townspeople like in chaos like trying to figure out what happened because this is right after the bird attack on the school there was the attack at the party and then the seagull attack on melanie when she's on the boat those are the only three instances of birds attacks at this time there hasn't been anything mass induced on the 
town and just hearing like the disarray of people in terms of what they do and don't believe it, it it just shows like the strength of the script and Hitchcock's directing that just like elevates uh, a story like this about the end of the world these weren't a few birds oh, I didn't know there were many crows in Bodega Bay this time of year the crow is a permanent resident throughout its range in fact during our Christmas count we recorded how many girls did you count, Mrs. Bunny? Which girls, Mr. Scholes? There are several varieties. The ones have been playing devil with my fishing boats. Have you had trouble with gulls? One of my boats did last week. This young lady was hit by a gull only Saturday. Deke, I'm still waiting for those Bloody Marys. Come right up. Could you ask them to lower their voices, please? They're frightening the children. A whole flock of gulls nearly capsized one of my boats, practically tore the skipper's arm off. You're scaring the kids. Keep it low. Yeah. But he's scaring me, too. Are you trying to say that all these... That sounds impossible, Sebastian. Take look, I'm just telling you what happened to one of my boats. I feel like it just, it shows like the ensuing chaos of something. And it feels very natural to what would happen to any town. If you put a group of people finding out about a supernatural attack that just is against, like against nature and what we assume of the creatures of nature. Because... Mrs. Brenner even said, she's like, birds, there are 10 billion birds in the world. They have lived in harmony with humans for, you know, thousands and thousands of years. And all of a sudden they've declared a war on us. Mm. Right. Right. And it's a, it's a very fair and valid point to, to have on the other side of, of the coin. I mean, this, this is essentially like a B-movie premise, but it's obviously because of Hitchcock is more than that. But this is like a typical scene you kind of need in like your B-movie disaster movie. Of just characters just reacting and just being able to be like, what's going on? Like, what, you know, the, it feels very naturalistic and like in a way that like a lot of 1960s acting doesn't feel naturalistic in a way. But for for some reason, for this way, this scene felt kind of like good acting from for, older movies. Na- natural. It's not yeah, bad acting. It's old acting is not bad acting. Old acting it's just is different. It's very play. It's very play like. It's very heightened. Yeah, dramatic. Um, and usually, like the way the scores swell, like, like I feel like, I, like there's not much of a score to speak of in this movie, which, which... aids aids it a ton. I mean, like the oh, fact 100%. that like, there's some there in the bird attacks, pretty much it's just like a droning effect where it just feels almost like in a hypnotic and a very creepy and unsettling way. And you know, the way of like naturalistic. I mean, Hitchcock, you kids' song being played slowly, creepily. <laughs> oh, that was that was so great when she's smoking the cigarette and the birds just yeah. start to fill up on the playground with the kids singing that like creepy choir song. And it yeah. just builds like, like, and builds as more and more birds arrive. And like she turns, uh, like, love that so much. And she's about to send a, the kids out for recess. Like, it just yeah. adds that tension. Like, and also I wanted to say like the blocking um, in these scenes, like especially in that, that scene of at the bar where characters if two characters are going off there's gonna be one person that probably isn't invited into the conversation falling around and then like the bartender he'll walk all the way over just to try to keep up and like learn more about the conversation what's going on like it's very cinematic blocking i mean it's very very cinematic yeah it it does make it just like more and more like great where like you know hitchcock is obviously great in terms of like point of view shots and stuff like that moving the camera around and like pretty much in a static way cinematography wise that makes us really great I, I mean i think a lot of my problems i have with this older movies it's a probably even older than this is that a lot of times like the camera will just be sitting there just static as hell and you're not gonna see any movement whatsoever i mean like 
it's just boring. It's not captivating. It's just like whatever. But part part of it is a product of its time and in budget yeah. in terms of budget. You haven't seen Citizen Kane, which we'll have to cover eventually at some point. We can't just keep doing movies from the 1940s and 50s and 60s. And <laughs> We're watching everyone but Citizen Kane. That'll be the last. <laughs> Is that the last episode of the podcast, like ever? Like if whenever well, whenever we hang our hats up? We'll cover some like 1950s trash, like I was a teenage werewolf or something, but we're not gonna cover that. <laughs> no, we're not gonna cover that. But we I feel like watching a movie like Citizen Kane where the camera's you know, it's not fully static, but there's a lot of times that it is static because of mm-hmm. just the time that it was in. That doesn't matter because it's the angles of the shots that can kind of elevate things like that, right? Like there there are examples. Yeah. And um, there was a great interview with Friedkin and Darren uh, Aronofsky, who just, that guy loves the smell of his own farts. Um, and they were talking about like Citizen Kane and comparing it to one of his movies that came out where he was like, I think it was, I can't, a Triangle of Sadness or whatever it was, where he's like, the whale? The, no, no, this is this is from years ago. Um, but he's talking about movies being referred to as classics and Darren Aronofsky is kind of just shitting on uh, Citizen Kane being like, it's just okay. It's it's overrated. And he's, Friedkin's like, no, you don't get to make that decision. That movie is from 1940. There were so many movies released in 1940. And that is like the only movie from 1940 that we still talk about today. Like that movie has lasting impact. Like you really think your movie is going to have that kind of lasting impact? And he's just like, well, maybe and Friedkin's just looking at the camera like, get this guy out of here. What a joker. What a get this guy out of here. Get this guy. It was so great, just an old man being well, like, get this fucking guy out of my face. It it is crazy to think about like what still per, uh, pertains to the culture and stuff like that. I mean, Hitchcock uh, sixty years later is still obviously very iconic and like you know, just like shorthand for a famous person. And and the birds is probably like I feel like the scene of Melanie Linsky getting attacked in the phone booth is probably the most iconic shot from this movie. Because that was yeah, the only thing I ending. knew. Yeah. That was the only thing I knew from the 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 movie going in. Oh, can we talk yeah. about the ending? How much I well, one, it was it did follow the classic horror trope of the main characters making the worst possible decision. They were like, "Oh, we'll be safe here if we just board up everything." It's like, why don't you leave? Yeah, just just leave the town like straight up. The ending overall, I mean, like it was was good, but I was thinking also of like in a modern lens for like you know in a modern more modern movie like Tippy Hedren would have when she opened up that door. Either she would have died, or like some character that was with her would have died in that scene right there, just to show like the brutality of it. But, or like, <laughs> and one of the things that I I just loved is, and just because of the birds, like Melanie's character comes in and she's so confident, like so full of like able to use her beauty and her charm to kind of get what she wants. Mm-hmm. And after she deals with the birds' attacks and she gets really mutilated in the in the attic or what the bedroom that the roof claws in on and you just see her leaving the house like she is just a changed woman like she like any of the confidence that she had in herself she is just terrified she is she is not the character that we came to know and like that's a great character journey in this kind of a movie which is a b movie premise that would never ever have these kind of moments in it which is yeah it just elevates this movie so much they wouldn't they wouldn't get thought about this like at all so i mean like this is one of those horror movies i always think about like you know after the credits roll like five years later like how traumatized or like ptsd ridden is like the character after this movie yeah like in the birds tippy hendren's character <laughs> she'd see a fucking pigeon in the middle of the street she'd probably have a panic attack right there like holy fuck 
<laughs> yeah, you think she's ever going back to that bird shop at the beginning of the movie? I think not. But it, no. it, it's like when <laughs> when um when Mitch carries her from the the room and puts her on the couch and like finally wakes her up and she just starts hitting him because she in her mind thought she was going to die there thought she woke up and was still getting attacked by birds like mm. it just shows that like real trauma and that real fear of that happening and it's for a movie like this mm. it's called the birds and it's just a mysterious bird attack this movie has no business being as good as it is and obviously that's just an accreditation to alfred hitchcock um just and and the script um the the script is just fantastic too and uh written by daphne dumar and evan hunter which i'm not going to pretend i know anything they wrote but um the it it adds that like elevation and it adds that gravitas like do you know if there's any information on what hitchcock like did he have any say or influence on the script itself like in the production? well this was like uh based on some novella actually um so oh, okay daphne dumer Marar, or whatever the person you just butchered too um they, I'm not as bad uh, as you yeah, yeah yeah well uh she made some horror story in uh, the 1952 it was like a short story in novella called the birds and um pretty much it was very pessimistic like a lot more pessimistic pretty much out of the movie or the novella is like every character has died by the birds except for one person he just smokes a cigarette and is like well i guess i'm gonna die by birds <laughs> i i love that i wish that was that would not fly in 1963 americana for a mainstream movie but i love that ending yeah so and the guy evan hunter uh who ended up writing the screenplay he uh was uh wrote for like alfred hitchcock's mystery magazine and alfred hitchcock presents that tv series too so like they knew them a lot very well and stuff like that. So um, he pretty much would correspond back and forth. But I mean, like that's the extent of it. So like, there's already were bones of this before. This is not in a wholly original work by Hitchcock. Yeah, I, I knew it was a novella, but that yeah, that makes sense because it just feels like catered to what he would want from a movie. Like he, if this was just a B movie script, there's no way Hitchcock signs on to a movie like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because exactly. I mean, we've seen so many ripoffs of this or like animal attack movies over the years. I mean, have you seen Frogs with Sam Elliott? Terrible you, movie. Don't. Have you seen Cocaine Bear? I've, yeah, exactly. Have you seen Cocaine Bear? Have you seen uh, Eight Legged Freaks with Scott Johansson? <laughs> this is the best one of these. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. I, mean, I guess like, tre- uh, Tremors is, a, I haven't seen Tremors, but I've, that's regarded that's as a, a classic. That's a fun one. Yeah, it's a, it's fun, but I wouldn't call it on the same level as like this. Um, would you consider Jaws like a uh, in Jaws is its own beast. It it created its own category because it's like the shark's not in the movie enough. Like the birds are very prominent in this movie. Jaws is the the horror is the unknown of what you can't see. Right? Mm-hmm. If if it takes that idea and flips it on its head. Well, it's it's weird to think like, you know, we had a lot of like in, after the success of Jaws, um we had like a ton of like rip-offs uh, over the years like Orca killer whale the meg or something like that we still have like free willy you know, free free uh, yeah i guess free willy <laughs> uh but yeah we have like we still have a bunch of shark movies to this day of like you know uh, being mm-hmm. attacked by sharknado sharks. shark yeah sharknado whatever or um 47 meters down or whatever the fuck i'm trying to think of random shark movies the shallows but you know we know um piranha yeah we're, we're never gonna have a remake of jaws probably as long as spielberg's alive but I'm, <laughs> it's I, it's coming in our lifetime i just want to let you know that I, I know, I know, but I think it's going to come after Spielberg is dead. <laughs> it's going to be ter- um, it's going to be atrocious, but atrocious, yeah. But uh, 
my, my point I was making is like we have so many shark movies. I'm shocked that like this is the only real movie I can think of that's like a bird attack movie. There was a bird two apparently in the nineties, but that was like a TV movie and no one wants to talk about that movie. <laughs> but like I'm shocked that we haven't seen like the ripoff of this or like you know the 2022 version. It's not called the birds, but it's like and uh what's the other word for birds? Like in, not amphibians. Uh I just <laughs> I think this is one of those movies where if you're gonna plug pluck from Hitchcock, it's Psycho. Psycho is the thing that they pitch from Hitch, pluck from Hitchcock and Bates Motel yeah. or whatever. Like they try to redo that over and over and over again because that's the most iconic thing. The shower scene is like one of the most iconic imageries in in the movie history. Yeah, you're not gonna like the birds is like six or seven on his filmography. You're probably you're taking a movie from sixty years ago and you're gonna invest a hundred million dollars into it. Probably not. I, I mean, I mean, yeah, I do. It did get to the extent. I'm just shocked that there hasn't been like any ripoffs of the birds specifically. Of like, you know, like there's bats. I guess <laughs> bats was one I remember. <laughs> you, this is way more your speed than my. Speed. This is some you random genre that you're just, some you're just naming really some spitting off. Like, you're like spitting off names, and I'm just sitting here like. Yeah, Tommy, these are. I don't know names. what you, Tommy. You do whatever you want with your free time. I'm not sure what you do with your free time, but if it's just studying IMDb of well, it's a, like terrible animal attack movies from the 80s, yeah. 90s, and 2000s. God bless you. I hope you have I a great time. Research. Not for me. Not this for is, me. This is how I spend my Friday nights. You know, just like search it up, Shutter, and be like, "Oh, this movie's called Alligator. Let me go watch this one. <laughs> it's about killer alligator. Fuck yeah. <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> and so I need this. Oh, apparently, this movie shows you need more than killer birds and. Because then you can make a movie that's sixty years old, and people still actually want to talk about it in a very positive light. Because it it has all the things that I feel like modern audiences are craving more and more in terms of just like characterizations, and even to the simplest effect. Because like all of these characters, we get their strengths and we get their weaknesses, and yeah, like they have moments of characters just talking about their relationships, like what they want and everything like that, and just like. Moments of, vul- moments of vulnerability, which is something that a lot of movies lack nowadays, where they make characters that are super strong, super independent, mm-hmm. with no weaknesses. And or that's cliches. Not, they're like stock type uh, characters. In these they're just, they're just, yeah, they're just stock type characters. And it's not even in this type of genre. It's just overall. And like we've spoken to the success of Top Gun Maverick on this podcast. One of it is that they just gave these characters simple characterizations, yeah. explain their explain their strengths, explain their weaknesses took and and like that's all we needed for a movie to become a mega hit that isn't from like like a a a true blood movie franchise like top gun had the original but i wouldn't say it was something that like modern audiences were craving a top gun sequel yeah i I thought that wasn't gonna do that well at first because i was like oh who's gonna i thought i thought so i thought so too and then like review i wasn't i wasn't necessarily gonna go see it and then the reviews started coming in being like this is so good and i was like okay ooh. Okay. Okay. Like, and then now it's like probably like your top top pick of movie of last year. <laughs> Number two, uh, the movie that yeah. won the Oscar, Everything Everywhere, All at Once, was my number one of last year. Before we move on, I want to talk about the Tippy Hedren of it all. How uh, you know that movie Roar? She was involved in. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> so those of you who don't know, Tippy Hedren like runs like a what, like a sanctuary for like lions or something in L.A. And they try to film a movie. Movie uh, Roar. That's an infamous movie that's covered yeah. on Best of the Worst, uh, <laughs> yeah. the Red Letter Media show, where there's just so many injuries. On the set it's with it's that ridiculous. One. She says, uh, 
that uh, this is probably one of the most dangerous films that Hollywood has ever seen. It's amazing that no one was killed. Uh, John De Bonote, the director of photography, was scalped. He was the guy who directed uh, Speed and Speed 2. <laughs> um, yeah, c- so like, cinematographers have wacky, wacky yeah. uh, filmographies. <laughs> But, but it's just like, you know, it's so funny that she's like uh, one of her most iconic uh, movies is an uh, animal attack movie. And then she herself made a movie where people are attacked by animals introvertently. <laughs> her daughter, Melanie Griffith, was like fucking like maimed by a lion and stuff like that, like constantly. It's just like, well, <laughs> yeah, it, it's strange. Uh, Roar, maybe that's one that we cover if we ever do like a bad movie month. That's one that we definitely, uh, definitely cover. I am a star. I'm a star, I'm a star, I'm a star. I am a big, bright, shining star. Tommy, who is the star of the birds? I'm going to go with Tippi Hendren. I mean, I think Rod Taylor was good in this movie, but I think his part was a little less dynamic and a little less uh, stuff to work off of. Yeah, he, um, was the, he was the least developed of the characters. Like, the only weakness that you get on him is that he was a mother's boy and, like, it struggled with his relationships. But that was kind of the only weakness we got to him. He was like the man of the hour. Um, I think Tippy Hedren just shows like she's the one character that really has a, a journey in this mm. movie where we learn that like the reason for her promiscuity, which was getting pushed into a fountain in in Italy, which scandal, that's a scandal at the time. <laughs> Imagine if we showed some scandals today yeah. that don't, yeah. don't bomb careers, but if from that point of view tour to 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 the end where you actually get a character journey from it and i think the movie does end up weighing on her shoulders and the only reason she's not the top build character is because this was her first debut feature film uh tippy hedron definitely i think great but like the cast overall just fantastic also shout out the drunk irish guy at the bar because uh, you know just love a guy that's screaming it's the end of the world he's great and to, to be hendren deserves it all i mean like you know, she was uh uh she was great in this role and like you know she definitely deserved like a longer career it sucks that hitchcock was a fucking monster to her apparently but you know that's a whole other thing <laughs> what happened to our america where you could just abuse <laughs> mistreat <laughs> the hell out of your stars just to make a better movie she she okay. made, uh, he he made her fucking uh, replay a scene where birds were attacking her like uh, over and over and over again. <laughs> again, what what again? What happened to what happened to our America? Oh my God! Can you believe that they passed laws where you can't do that anymore? Like, can, can you believe that? Can you believe that people want <laughs> fair and equal treatment, Tommy? That they don't want to be abused on a movie set? Can you believe that? Who would have thought? So, uh, just just in case anyone can't pick out on sarcasm. Uh... We don't condone that. <laughs> yeah, we do. We are an anti-abuse your actors podcast. I just want that on the record. We're also anti-Nazi, anti-pedophile. Yeah. And we want it on the, the bad things. We, we want it on the record here, okay? Uh, so if you try to pull that clip to cancel us because we're that big of a podcast, go yeah. ahead. We'll get into a Twitter beef. I love a good Twitter beef. Yeah. That's right. Ah, are you ready, comedy partner? Waka waka. Tommy, would the birds work as a Muppet adaptation? All right, I would love if they just kept every single human, but instead of birds, it was fucking Big Bird just over and over and over again. Just, just Big Bird off. just boxing bobbing people. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible... That, like, Tommy, we have to use the AI-generated art and yeah. and make the 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 birds being... The birds, humans... Birds, being attacked, Big Bird. 
big the birds but all the birds are big bird oh or big bird and just like imagine like just like like the scene of the kids running and it's just all these yellow feathers and like a muppet head like that's that's good that's good yeah disney disney hit us up Hit us yeah, up, right. baby. We got the money right here. These are all our ideas. Definitely. I just imagine people getting attacked where, like, you know, Big Bird lands on a car and just mashes a fucking car and it blows up immediately. Just that would be <laughs> like, that would be hilarious. <laughs> that would be so funny. That's such like a like I can just picture the YouTube clip that yeah. would inevitably come from that idea of just like terrible CG thrown <laughs> in, and it's just funnier because of that. Of just like JPEGs like of Big Bird, just just yeah, just JPEGs of Big Bird just. <laughs> crashing down on people <laughs> and then it's just like i love you or whatever the hell big bird says that would yeah. be fantastic yeah all right tommy review time give me a score out of five all right so this is a very engaging uh, disaster movie for the most part um i do really like this movie i thought it was uh really well acted uh really well potentially shot and everything i'm gonna go i think 4.5 out of 5 so um really enjoyed this movie um i think the performances are great and uh, the special effects while they do look hokey today they still work for the movie so and yeah I, i'm not i'm not gonna crap on yellow screens that they used at the time it's what they had available like that that doesn't bother me mm-hmm. um yeah i want to give this a four to five like i think when i think of like hitchcock's top top work that's that this probably isn't it like uh rear window for me five out of five when we cover that but this takes this is probably the best disaster movie I've ever seen where they actually like build characters and make you invest into them, give you their strengths and their weaknesses and like make you root for them to survive. You get to see Hitchcock just be a master of his craft and just fully control probably a level of a, a genre of movie that's well beneath him and just elevate the substance into something more. If you haven't seen the birds and you kind of you like old movies, you like exploring those old genres, highly recommend it. You'll have a great time. Okay, Tommy, any final thoughts? Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, you can follow us on social media at SeenItPod. That's on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And leave us a five star review while you're listening. Um, you know, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we want to mention that we're going to be uh, coming up on the Film versus Film podcast uh, coming up soon. I think the episode comes out this week. We'll be covering, uh, what is it? Uh, Speed, Speed and versus Leon, Leon the Professional. Le- uh, Leon the Professional. Yeah, what I, I said it on the podcast too. But when I heard that we were going, like we nominated Speed, and then when I heard we were going up against Leon the Professional, I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so, like, oh crap, we're getting a real movie instead of like, like Speed's a blue blood action movie. It's great. Yeah. It's everything you want an action movie to be. Where Leon the Professional, like, kind of like it's a whole this, other tier. it's a whole different tier of movie. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that actually makes you think and not shut off your brain. So I was like, crap, like we're not, we're not yeah. winning, we're not winning that one. Uh, yeah, but maybe so, we do because maybe we throw it. Who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe we throw it. Maybe we just uh, rig the game for ourselves. But uh, we want to thank them for having us on the pod again. You can also listen to our episode we had them on the Exorcist uh, back in the day. But uh, other than that, yeah, leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. So, All right. Thank you guys all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.